Students and teachers returned to our Catholic schools. So what are the early reports? We're nearly six months into COVID-19. So have we turned the corner? And is your prayer life where it should be? These topics and more coming up next. Welcome to A View from the Top with Bishop Gregory Parks, Bishop of the Diocese of St. Petersburg. A View from the Top is a candid and hopeful conversation on current events that affect our church, our community, and our country. Now, here's Bishop Parks and the General Manager of Spirit FM, John Morris. Always like to start out with good news, Bishop, and it's always good to see you, first of all. <laughs> Likewise, John. It's great to be with you today. We've had some big things going on here in the last couple of weeks. We ordained three priests to the priesthood, and you just got back from Beaumont, Texas for an ordination. I sure did, and uh, thank goodness I beat the hurricane, which Boy. is uh, arriving there this week. And we certainly pray for the safety of all that are in, in the path of Hurricane Laura. Uh, but yes, I, I just returned from Beaumont, Texas. It was my first visit to Beaumont. Uh, never had the opportunity to to go there before, but it was for a, a really special and a, a joyful occasion, the ordination of, of Bishop David Toops, who our listeners may be aware, or hopefully are aware, is a, is a priest of our diocese, or I should say was a priest of our diocese, because right. now that he's Bishop of Beaumont, he's an incarnated bishop there. But it was really a joyful three days of, of both prayer, but also celebration. And as a bishop, it's very special to see somebody ordained a bishop, because it reminds you, in this case myself, of all the promises that I made when I was ordained a bishop and just how special it is to, to take on that new responsibility uh, that God has given. God has given us a great uh, bit of technology in, in live streaming, and boy, did it come in handy because a lot of people couldn't go because of the distance and because of the COVID, so many got to see it. They did, and, and again, the use of technology is, is wonderful for things like this. Uh, the cathedral in Beaumont is beautiful. For those who were able to watch it or would care to do so, it's a very, very beautiful cathedral. It uh, dates back to the 19th century and much more ornate than a lot of our churches are here in Florida. But uh, it it was, but it's relatively small. And and so I think Bishop Toops was only able to have probably at most a couple hundred people there. I believe there were about 20 bishops present, and then the priests of the diocese and a few select other priests that Bishop Toops invited. But nevertheless, it, it was a joyful day and um, and one that I think we'll remember for a long time. I know the local television station uh, broadcasted it uh, there in Beaumont. And as I sat in my office watching the ordination, I was, I could, well, there's Bishop Parks, there's Bishop Lynch, there's Bishop-elect Parks. And then I saw some people, uh, we, had a, we had a good representation of lay people from the diocese as well. We sure did. You mentioned my brother, Bishop-elect Stephen Parks. It was a little confusing because they had names on the chairs where the bishops were going to be sitting, and there were two of them with Parks. So I wasn't quite sure which one to sit in. We ended up sitting next to each other, so I don't think it was any problem. Good, good, good. Yeah, and I, I noticed that I guess most of the Florida bishops were on one side and one section. Most uh, bishops that came from out of state were kind of in one area, and then on the other side were primarily bishops from from Texas. The only other bishop from Florida that was able to be there was Bishop Walk of um, Pensacola, Tallahassee. So he was able to be there, and myself and our Bishop Emeritus, Bishop Lynch, was there as well. And... Of course, your brother was there, and I know that you told me off mic that the local media here in Tampa Bay area are already approaching you about interviews uh, for your brother's ordination and installation in September. 
Sure. So as you can imagine, uh, the news uh, that my brother is, was named the Bishop of Savannah and will be ordained September 23rd has gained a lot of attention by local media, both here as well as in Savannah. So I've been doing some interviews recently, both with television as well as print media. Most of the time, they want to know about our early years growing up together, our call to priesthood, uh, the influence that we had on each other, and kind of how I found out about his uh, appointment as bishop. So very happy to share uh, those uh, stories and that information with them. Anytime, John, we can get a positive story about the church uh, in the press, I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. And I I saw one of the write-ups that Bishop Toops had a small group of cadre from school. And I know that transitions us into school starting back up. Uh, Have we gotten any early reports of how school has gone in general? Well, as we record this today, uh, school began on Monday, August 24th. uh, And so far, so good. It's only been a few days, but uh, the early reports is that uh, that the students got back to classroom uh, learning. For the most part, we did offer some uh, students and families the option to learn online. In a small percentage, I would say on average maybe about 10% have chosen that option at the moment. But for those that are coming back to the classroom, things seem to be going well. There's a lot of safety protocols in place to keep everybody healthy, and uh, we do have uh, protocols for if somebody is not feeling well or even is tested positive for COVID-19, how we would handle that. One of the great blessings here in our diocese is we've made arrangements to have rapid response testing and contact tracing. So what that means is that a school, if there, God forbid, there, there is an outbreak of some sort, we can test that very quickly. The results come back within 15 minutes, and then we can, of course, contact trace anyone that might have been possibly uh, infected as well. But so far, so good, John. We pray our students have a, have a great year of learning. Have you heard any reports on enrollment being up or down in any of our schools? I would say the word I would use would be stable. It it varies from school to school. We actually have seen an increase in enrollment at some of our schools. Those who are choosing to send their child to Catholic school or private school rather than the public schools. And in some, we've seen a bit of a decline. I think parents maybe are choosing an at-home option in some cases. So, uh, but... I would say it's not not been a significant either increase or decrease. Enrollment numbers have been stable. It's a rather tr- trying and difficult decision for parents because they know their child and they know that this child a child A can flourish online learn with online learning, but another child child B really needs that in person. And I'll take my brother for example. He lives in Maryland, and the schools up there will be all online learning till probably January. So now there has been a flood and long waiting lists at local private and Catholic schools in his area. And he's one of those that's trying to get his child into a Catholic school. He said, can you pull some strings? Yeah, no, unfortunately, there's a separate bishop that's up right. there. And, that's right. Uh, I'm not him, so I don't have any uh, influence there. But but that is true. And, and we want to, I think one of the blessings of Catholic education is that uh, we can try to, to treat each student individually and to work with them in whatever way might work best. I think there's benefits to the to the students coming back to in classroom learning, not just the uh, 
ability to learn in a structured environment, but also just emotional and, and mental and, and, you know, just with their being with their friends and interacting in a, in a safe way. I think those are all positive things that, that come along with going to school each day. So we want to try to provide that as, as much as we can. We have the benefit at Spirit FM of being on the campus of Christ the King Catholic School and Church. And just the last couple of days, seeing the kids out on the playground, keeping safe distance, generally speaking, but just seeing them out there and having activity at the parish, I could tell it brought a lot of happiness to the children who finally got to play with friends they haven't seen in a while. Isn't that true? I I would say myself, this past Monday when school started, my office here at the Pastoral Center overlooks the parking lot at St. Pete Catholic High School. And it was great to see cars right. <laughs> in the parking right. lot. Kind of got used to staring at an empty parking lot and, and to see the, the students' cars there and the faculty. It just brings life back to, uh, to our institutions, to our schools, and that's a great thing. What about um, extracurricular activities? I know a lot of that is governed by the Florida High School Activities Association. That generally deals with the public schools, but our private schools are involved with that as well. Will we see high school football by late September? Yeah, I hope so. The uh, Florida High School Sports Athletic Association has given the, the green light to move forward uh, with most sports in a, in a safe way. Uh, we're going to try to do that. So I think the plan is to, to still try to play football. I know our teams have been um, in the weight room and <laughs> getting conditioning. Sure. So I think that's the hope. But it's a, kind of a fluid situation that we have to monitor to see if it's going to be possible or not. Going along with that, the COVID-19 thoughts, as far as church attendance goes, we've seen a decline in the number of people being tested and testing positive, which is very good news. Is there a threshold that you and your executive team have discussed about we can open up the parishes now wide open or do we have to wait for state guidelines? So uh, both good news and bad news here. The good news is that there's plenty of room at our parishes, uh, even though we are limiting uh, occupancy, I think now to to 50%. Most parishes are not reaching that threshold. So anybody who would like to come to Mass, if they feel safe in doing so and are willing to observe the safety protocols that we've put in place, such as wearing a mask, you know, they're, they're welcome to do so. What would it take to... Just throw the doors wide open and, and, and not have any uh, limit on how many could attend or even to lift the dispensation, which I've offered, you know, from Sunday obligation. Uh, that still is in effect for those that don't feel safe coming back to mass, particularly the elderly or those with other health conditions. When might that be lifted? I, I've been thinking and praying about that, John, because it's going to happen at some point. Sure. I think probably we would need to have a vaccine and it would need to be widely available before I could even really consider lifting that dispensation. Don't know when that's going to be. I think we're all waiting and hoping and praying that we get that soon. But until we can, uh, everyone can return to Mass safely, I I think we need to keep that dispensation in place. Uh, Where I attend Mass, the pastor at the end of church does his general announcements as he's traditionally done and he mentioned at the last mass that because of the covid and because of some of the cutbacks the annual pastoral appeal goal had been reduced at our parish by about 15 percent and that came in part due to the cutbacks here at the pastoral center and the sacrifices that some of the all the pastors and priests made the clergy with that so but how are we doing with our annual pastoral appeal 
So first of all, here at the Pastoral Center in the Diocese of St. Petersburg, we were very proactive right from the beginning. So back in March, we began to look at cutting our budget, and we asked our staff to take salary cuts anywhere from 3% to 10%, depending on their salary level. All the priests who work here at the diocese, including myself as the bishop, took a 10% cut in in our salary. Uh, We also looked at things that we could maybe delay in terms of works or repairs, things that we needed to do, projects, anything where we felt we could cut, we did. And I, I think we were able to cut about nearly $2 million off of our diocesan budget, which then was passed along to our parishes because that's where we received the funding, you know, as a diocese. So if we're able to save money at the diocesan level, then that flows down to our parishes. And it was out of really a a realization of the economic hardship that they and their parishioners were going to be experiencing as we all go through this this COVID-19 period. So, We were able to do that for our parishes. Many parishes also had to make cuts, uh, either in terms of salary or staff or programs. And hopefully those, they can be restored at at some point. But uh, we felt it was the right thing to do at the diocesan level. And I think our parishes, our pastors did appreciate that. Yeah, I know uh, for many of the parishes, what has really saved them is electronic giving. Because uh, with the absence of people coming to Mass, they're still watching, but it's difficult to remember to mail in that envelope. But the electronic giving is really key. It is, and it's something I would highly encourage listeners and parishioners to take advantage of. I do, myself. I electronically give or or give to the cathedral through electronic giving for my own stewardship, and it's just very easy. You don't have to think about it. It happens, and whether I'm there or not, they're getting my support. Now, I would say with the annual pastoral appeal, again, for those who may not be aware, that does fund uh, the overall work of the diocese and all the different ministries and programs that we're able to offer and support that we're able to offer to our parishes and to our people. So it's important that we, we try to maintain the funding for that. We have seen a decline this year. Obviously, that's not a surprise. Even though we were able to cut from our budget, the numbers are still down. But we have to remember that the ministry of the church goes on. And in fact, there's more need for ministry, particularly in the area of charity uh, during this time. So things like Catholic charities still need our help. You know, different programs that we offer to our parish in terms of support, those continue. Uh, We accepted seven new seminarians to study for the diocese. We have to fund their education and formation. So that's, these are good things, uh, but they, they do require the funding. On a side topic, I saw in another diocese where a bishop was heavily requesting that the pastors keep their homilies to five minutes or less. And that was partially due to trying to get people in and out of the church safely, uh, trying to limit their space time together, that kind of thing. And it caused some rancor, I guess, among some faithful and some some things online. Are, are our priests limited on time? Well, first of all, we should let our listeners know that Bishop was not Bishop Parks. That's who, right. <laughs> who was asking that, though some people might like much shorter homilies. <laughs> but no, we, we don't put a time limit on our priests. I mean, if, if on a regular basis they go... <laughs> go for a long time. Generally, the parishioners let let us know that. Uh, but most of our priests would preach, I would say, anywhere from maybe seven minutes to about 12 minutes. That's a typical Sunday homily. Remember, 
Pope Francis a number of years ago in, in speaking to priests about homilies said uh, that they shouldn't be boring and that they should be no more than like seven or eight minutes. So so I think you can make a, communicate a very good spiritual message to people in a relatively short period of time without, without putting a, a mandate uh, on the number of minutes. What I would say about that um, is I don't know the circumstances sure. for the bishop that put that into place, but my thought is that if parishes and people, the, the faithful that are coming are observing the safety protocols and the distancing, really the amount of time that they're in church shouldn't be a huge factor. And you know, if you're talking a matter of minutes, is that really going to make a huge difference? Right. You know, so. So again, I, I don't anticipate asking our priests to limit their homilies to five minutes sure, <laughs> here sure. in the Diocese of St. Well, Petersburg. And I know, practically speaking, at the church I attend, our Mass schedule got shifted a little bit, not because of the length of the Masses, but because of the disinfectant protocols that have to take place. So you need to space the, the Masses out a little bit further uh, in order to allow people to get in and out of church and parking and then get everything sanitized for the next Mass. You're right, and I, I would ask the faithful to please be patient when that happens, you know, to understand why it's being done. We, we tend to be creatures of habit, so if we always go to the 11 o'clock Mass on, on Sunday morning, and we've been doing that for the last 20 or 25 years, you know, the thought of that Mass time changing kind of moves us out of our comfort zone, what we're used to. But uh, if a parish does change its Mass schedule or uh, either temporarily or even going forward. I just I just ask the faithful to please be understanding and patient with that. Sure. September 9th is a day that you have designated a day of prayer and fasting to end racism. And this goes along with a project that's going on nationally. Talk about that a little bit. Sure. So the U.S. Bishops Conference has an ad hoc committee against racism. It's been in existence for a number of years, and they've asked us to consider designating uh, September 9th, uh, which it happens to be the feast of St. Peter Claver as a day of prayer and fasting for the intention of stopping or wiping out racism. We know that this is an issue in our country. We witness it, continue to witness it all the time. It's been particularly in the news this year because of some high-profile incidents and uh, shootings that have taken place. We held an event, a prayer event, Holy Hour at our cathedral a couple of months ago to, to pray for an end to racism, and we made a commitment that, that we're, we're going to continue to try to work to bring an end to, to racism and to the violence that results from it. So that day is the Feast of St. Peter Claver, who came to Columbia in the 18th century. And he made it his ministry to minister to the slaves who were coming over on the ships from Africa. So these slave ships would come over filled with African slaves, and they would be very mistreated. During that journey, they were malnourished, they would get sick, some would die, of course. But he would be there when the ship landed and be there to minister and to give aid to to those African slaves that were, were being brought to Colombia, to South America at that time. So that's why we're, we're taking that opportunity to, to use that day, uh, to ask for St. Peter Claver's intercession, and through our own prayers and witness and fasting to, to bring an end to something that needs to stop. So that, again, that's Wednesday, September 9th. Maybe that's a day where you can have a a very small breakfast, maybe skip lunch and and a uh, small meal and prayer. I mean, that's just a little small part that we can do uh, to come together to, to end this scourge of racism in our community. 
Bishop, we've only got a few minutes left, but we have to continue to pray for this end to racism. And prayer in general is, is such a vital part of being a Christian. And a question came in recently about suggestions to have a better prayer life. Now, there are whole books, and you can sit with theologians for years talk about a proper prayer life. But for you, what, where do we start if, if I'm a new Christian or maybe somebody that's that, that's been faithful for forty years, and I'm just not I'm not motivated to pray like I know I should be. Yeah, it's a great question, and I don't pretend to be an expert on prayer or some kind of a spiritual guru in that way. But uh, one of the, the the great things about the Catholic faith is that we have a rich treasury of prayers and devotions that we can look to to assist us in our prayer life. So if we struggle with extemporaneous prayer, just from our heart. In our own words and our own thoughts directed to God, we can always go to prayers like the rosary or to a chaplet of divine mercy, to well-known prayers that we know, the Our Father or the Hail Mary, the Glory Be, those types of prayers. So if we were struggling, that might be a good place to start or with the rich treasury of prayers that we have as Catholics. Another form of prayer, which I think is very special and very meaningful, is just quiet prayer where we don't always have to be saying something. You know, we can just be in God's presence and ask him to be with us, uh, to fill us with his love and with his peace. Uh, Some individuals are, are very comfortable with praying extemporaneously, just letting whatever's in their heart or in their mind, offering that to God in their own words and just speaking to him as they would to a, to a father, uh, just kind of pouring their heart out. There's prayers of praise and thanksgiving. We don't always have to ask for something. Maybe That's generally <laughs> what a lot of people do, including me. We do. So maybe our prayer could simply be, you know, God, just thank you. Thank you for your presence in my life. Thank you for all your blessings. And just know that I love you and I ask for your mercy and forgiveness. What a beautiful prayer that is. Again, I, I find for myself one of the prayers that I enjoy most is just placing myself before the Lord and just saying nothing, just saying there's nothing I would rather do, no place I would rather be at this time than in your presence. And then just spend maybe five minutes, 10 minutes in quiet. Doesn't have to be a holy hour or, you know, several hours of prayer. Could be just a few minutes. And uh, that's how we get started. Now that you've said that, is there a formula? I mean, I've usually kind of gone off with open up with a, especially when I'm leading like my staff, you know, when I'm having to do this out loud versus myself, do I start out with praise and thanksgiving, then the petition, and then the thanks for everything else you've done, and then end? I mean, I know that's very casual, but you know what I mean. Sure. No, I wouldn't say there's a, a formula. That it wouldn't be that formal. You know, um, again, there's devotions and they have a structure to them. But generally, our, our prayer should just flow from our hearts and from our souls and our minds. And remember that it, what prayer is, is a, is a conversation with God who we know loves us and accepts us. And so we should never be afraid to, to talk to God. And if we need to ask for something, we ask. If we need to just say thank you for a favor received, we say thank you. Uh, we pray for others, too, you know, not just for ourselves, but for other people as well. What about there's the, the scripture, and this is a trap that a lot of people will fall into. Uh, I think it's from Matthew chapter 6, and it says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. Truly, I tell you, they receive their reward. But when you pray, go into a room. This is kind of what you were referring to. Pray to the Father who is unseen. Then your Father, 
who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And don't pray like the pagans babbling. Sometimes you can fall into that trap. You're just reading the words and they don't mean anything. Oh, it's true. I, again, as Catholics, uh, our prayer and even our liturgy can become very rote. So we just memorize the words and they flow out of our mouth, but we're not really internalizing them or getting behind the meaning of them. And that can be a danger if we kind of just babble on and sure. on. As far as praying in public, I, I think what our Lord was trying to say was, what's in your heart? Like, why are you doing this? Are you doing it to be seen? Or are you actually doing it uh, in sincerity of mind and heart? And, and I think that's the, the what he was trying to communicate to us. Prayer, Praying in public can be a very good witness. It takes courage to do it. But I can't tell you how many times I've been out at a restaurant for lunch or dinner. You know, The group I'm with will say a, a blessing before the meal. We'll, we'll make the sign of the cross and pray. People will come up and say, you know, that's beautiful. Thank you for your faith, and it's so good to see people praying. So it can be a very good public witness, even though that's not why we do it, but it can have a secondary benefit. What about the prayer where, and I know you've heard this as a pastor, Father, I have prayed, but my loved one still passed away. Where was God then? My prayer wasn't answered. Yeah, that's one of the great questions and mysteries of our faith is why why doesn't God always answer our prayers? I think he does, John, but I, I don't know that it's always the way that we want our prayers answered and if we kind of limit God with how we can answer our prayers and also in the time frame that he answers. So I do think he answers them, you know, with regard to the death of a loved one. Maybe God gave that person some extra time, even though, yes, eventually they passed. Maybe he gave them some extra time, you know, a few extra days even, if there were words or things that needed to be said to that person, maybe to pray, you know, that the Lord was with them at that moment, that they passed away. So I do believe God answers our prayers, maybe not always the way that we want or expect or demand, and in the time that we expect, but he does answer them. Well, as we close up our time together today again, would you lead us in a prayer that helps us to be open to God's will and not our own? Certainly, let us pray. God, our Father, we, we praise you for this day and, and for all the blessings that you have given to us in our life. We desire nothing more than to love you in return and, and to love each other. We ask that you fill our minds and our hearts with peace this day, and we ask that you send your Spirit upon us to lead us forward day by day, that what we do in our lives may be in accord with your will for your glory and as always, out of love for you and for those we come into contact with. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more with Bishop Parks, including past programs, his social media accounts, and ways to subscribe to this podcast, visit dosp.org bishop. A View from the Top is a production of Spirit FM 90.5 and the Communications Office of the Catholic Diocese of St. Petersburg. A View from the Top is made possible by the annual Pastoral Appeal and listeners like you. Thank you for your support.